welcome to Make That Paper, the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to support our artistic dreams. And yes, I still read from a script. And to remodel the bathroom because even the cobbler needs to wear shoes. Yes. On today's episode, let's chow down on the baking business, get into a little jewelry tomfoolery, and discuss the adult education of vocation. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And Jason Bieber. And on this episode, we are talking to a rock star interior designer. We have personal knowledge of this. And visual artist who remakes your space on site or from across the globe. She goes by many monikers. The board baker, the silver lining, and to a select few, friend. And we are so lucky to be in that select few. Thanks. We are thrilled not just to have her on the show, but to have her here with us in person, please welcome the spectacular Audrell Martin. Yes. And I just have to say, I'm so glad you wrote it because you twisted your own tongue. They might not hear it because you'll edit it out. Yeah. Uh, but like, I nailed it and haven't even read through it in a rehearsal and I have Invisalign on. Very proud of you. That's what that is. I was like, what's going on with her teeth? <laughs> Mama got braces. <laughs> Mama got braces. And it's like, you know, top and bottom. But it's not on the palette, the roof, so um, I am able to sound normal, but I put on my new pair today. Oh, so you're in pain. I'm in a little bit of pain. <laughs> I've had a lot of coffee. <laughs> That's the kicker there. It's and not I'm that like, you're in pain, it's that you've had too much coffee. Too much coffee, mm -hmm. and I'm like lisping ever so slightly in them. Like there's a hiss, like a snake at it, because like they haven't... Why didn't I write a whole bunch of S's in your intro? Thank God you didn't. Oh! But we're here to talk about Avril, and we mentioned that she is a baker, and we just want to show, this is why we do this show in person. Yeah. <laughs> there's some things, there's some, there's some features Zoom just has not perfected. I think television is not one of them. No. I mean, should, should I get a serving thing, or does everyone want no, to take? Just, just well, okay, but, but before we dig in, can you, uh, you, you tell yeah. me a little bit, what, what, what's going on here? Tell us about the brownies. Okay, you so you. the brownies, the original recipe was my great Aunt Rose's, <laughs> and so I've had this Aunt all my Rose. life. Yep. Aunt Rose. And Rose's from my yard, um, which was her yard at one point. Um, and so when I went gluten-free about 15 years ago, I had to switch all my recipes. Mm -hmm. And then about six or seven years ago, I had to give up rice and corn, which is about 95% of all gluten-free product. And so I had to really revamp everything and figure out which alternate flours I could use. So this one is made with almond flour and tapioca flour. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love anything made with almond flour. I've just had like, one, the best experiences using your recipes. Two, the best experiences like navigating almond flour when I tried to make air fried um, chicken strips for my kid. Yes. He loved it. Almond flour was so much... It binds better. I'll give you two recipes with almond flour for chicken. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, before yeah. we get lost down yeah. chicken, let's let's. I'd like to try brownies. Okay, I'm gonna take out my braces. One second. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks yeah. I'm gonna edit this out. <laughs> Hello, welcome to my show. Welcome back. <laughs> it's why I wore these today. Oh, my mic is there. Um, <laughs> okay, my hands were in my mouth, so I'm going to take my own. You okay. go first. Great. Uh, I will take my own right from the middle. So these but, ones I added white chocolate chips and macadamia nuts. 
Oh and God. I used monk fruit, like we talked about, because we're both trying to cut back on sugar. Sugar. Okay, Let's cheers. Mm. Cheers. Mm -hmm. All right, mm. so good. Mm -hmm. You're telling me that this sweetness is just monk fruit? Yes. It's Did bananas. You? Right. No, it's monk fruit. Yeah, I mean, Avril's an artist, but she's also a baker and a cook, and she has two cookbooks out. And we'll put links to them. And I just want to say, how do you substitute monk fruit? Is it one for one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, monk fruit is the only natural sweetener that you can do one for one. Like stevia, it's like a few drops and it's already over sweet. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. That's good. Thank you. You're very welcome. I, I like so this is considered health food, yes? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You've got the almond flour, so that's protein. Mm -hmm. And healthy Macadamia fats. Macadamia nuts. Macadamia nuts. There, it's got coconut oil. Um, it's got eggs, more protein. So yeah, it's absolutely healthy. Yeah, it's not just brownie delicious with that crusty, crispy top. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit fudgy. Yes, and it's even better when it comes straight out of the oven. But I made these yesterday afternoon. So we could have recorded at your house. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what I find interesting? Is that monk fruit? Always has this cooling effect, mm -hmm. almost like menthol when you eat it. Mel mm -hmm. um, said it's like mint. Yeah, mm -hmm. but you don't taste mint. It just has this cooling effect on the palate yep. every time. What is that? I don't, I don't know, know, but it would be great as a mint mm -hmm. chocolate mm -hmm. one. Does that happen? One hundred percent. When it's hot, if it's like hot out of the oven. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, that must be funky. Having like the hot. The hot brownie actually have a cooling it, effect? But it's not really cooling when it's the hot brownie out of the oven. Okay. Yeah, kind of, I mean, but you can you can get that sense of the monk fruit on your tongue. Um, I told Elle I would do half monk fruit, half regular sugar next time to see if it's... The difference? Yeah, and see if the sugar would balance out that. Mm. But she did, she, it's off-putting for her. Mm. So... She's not old like us. Um, <laughs> for listeners, Elle is her daughter. Yes. Mm -hmm. And she's such a sweet supporter. And mm -hmm. also called the board baker junior because mm -hmm. she loves to bake and cook as much as I do. Mm. Um, okay, sorry guys. So we want to talk to you guys about Avril for a second and why she's so special to us because our side hustle, you know our side hustle is vacation rental properties. And we could not have done it the way we wanted to do it without our interior designer slash artist. Extraordinaire. Extraordinaire, Avril. So you guys have all seen pictures of our gorgeous homes and we brag about our gorgeous homes and Avril's the artist behind them. That's right. <laughs> it's like you're pretty cool that you're on the show right now. Mm -hmm. um, so talk to us about design and how you being a, what do you call it, a fine artist? A um, when someone's a painter in a drawer. A visual artist? A visual artist. Oh, God, you guys, I have too much coffee. <laughs> Being a visual artist mm -hmm. transitioned into your career as an interior designer. Which came first? Because you are a visual artist. Right. Um, I didn't even know that interior design was uh, a job until I was in college. Amazing. Um, you know, grew up in suburbia and the most boring interiors ever. Mm -hmm. My parents' house is... Um, was not the inspiration. No, definitely not the inspiration. I had to learn a lot. Um, so I've always done art. My brother and I would 
take art classes. We would do art. It just was part of who we both were. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried doing art at UCLA and hated the starving artist mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, you people suck. <laughs> and uh, so the next semester I did calculus and <laughs> computer class. What's wrong with you? I, I, I was at one end of the pendulum and I needed to get the way the hell. Can I say it? You yeah, can no, say you can swear. No kids are listening to this. Okay, great. All the Fuck the way over here. Yeah. That's what I needed to do. And then I came back to the middle and finished my degree in French and linguistics. But during all that process, one of my friends at UCLA, her mom was an interior designer and owned a business in the San Fernando Valley, kind of close to where I grew up. And so I got to do a tour of it and I got to see all their visual creative stuff. And it's a business. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, it's both sides of the brain. Yeah. This is the perfect happy medium. I get to be creative and I get to, you know, have to figure out how much wallpaper this bathroom needs or, you know, whatever it is. But it, it balanced out both sides of my brain so that I could be sane. That, yeah. Well, as sane as I can be. <laughs> Fair. That, I, I, you know, so many of us are, you know, they, we're right brain people. We're left brain people. My mother loves to tell me that I was equal right and left brain and I'm, Wasting one of them. Um, <laughs> but it's so neat to know. So you kind of, dis- did you know before then, I guess you you knew in school from your from your pendulum swing, mm-hmm. that you are one of these people who, yes. you know, I, like, I love painting, but I also need to be doing math at the same time. Yes. I could not. My calculus math. teacher in high school wanted me to become a math um, major. Oh and I was like, God. yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But um, my my college math, like I was a 4.0 student until high school, sophomore, junior year, and then mm-hmm. I dropped because of the math classes. And when I got to college, I had to retake the same math class three times, and it ru- was ruining my GPA oh, upon God. graduating. Um, so I all am, your life hacks, you never learned about the withdrawal. I never learned pass-fail, and I never learned about withdrawal. Nobody, nobody, nobody told me. I would have taken every math class pass-fail. And I didn't know until I graduated that there was an option to... How did a counselor not bring that to your attention? Because my counselor smoked weed because he was a theater (laughs) counselor. And I'd go into his office, and he was like, yeah, man, just, like, push yourself through it. And then I didn't have a counselor after freshman year. You don't have a counselor anymore after freshman year. No advisor. What college was this? Michigan State University. Big public university. Um, Anyways, not throwing them under the bus. I'm sure they do things differently now, but my experience was this. Mm. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Okay, UCLA. Okay, USC. (laughs) Hi. Yeah. Um, MSU, but not the one I teach at. Um, I teach at an MSU, too, Montclair State University, that does have advisors so that being said how what were you doing when you graduated college because you did couldn't go straight into interior design or did you no i i graduated ucla let's say june of 93 and then july of 93 i started at ucla extension for interior design Right back to school. Right back to school. I basically was in school for seven years. Amazing. I know. (laughs) Not not counting, you know, high school and grade school. Right, exactly. No. After. And everyone was like, and you're not going to have a medical degree when you finish? I know, right? 
Right? It's amazing. I know. Um, but because I already had one degree, I was able to get out of a few classes and I took summer school. So I completed the four year program in two years. So it's great. But I was like, get me out of here. Yeah. But I was also working in the industry while I was going to school. Were you working for someone? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Where were you working? What were you doing? I was a design assistant. Okay. For a company called Arc Interiors. They're still around and the owner, Christopher Grubb is doing great and he has i know he has a plumbing line with oh. some i don't remember which brand he's you know uh, co-opted with but um yeah he's doing great but when it when i started with him it was literally him and me wow and then by the time i left i think there was a couple other design assistants um and i i quit right at the time i was graduating I was like, okay, it's time to, to try something else. I've been blessed to have this while I'm going to school. So I get real life application and the schooling, yeah. which was really beneficial. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to try something else. So if you're working as a design assistant, you're pursuing your interior design. I, I, I'm, you were, sorry, you were a design assistant for an interior design. Correct. So you were right there where you were trying to go, doing Absolutely. what you wanted to do. But you didn't want to continue at that place. You wanted to go... I wanted to try other things. I was, what, 23, 24 at the time? Other things besides... Uh, no, no, no. Just oh. different... Um, so he did residential and a few commercial projects. I just wanted to try a different com company that was doing different things. Okay. I'm a Gemini, so I need lots of variation in my life. Mm -hmm. I get bored very easily. Oh, we have a son who's a Gemini. Oh, so you know. Yeah. 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 We suck. Uh, and in saying that, thanks a lot. Um, just kidding, not kidding. In saying that, I am curious. I'm going to say something controversial. Um, okay, let's fast forward just for a minute. Our LA, and I think sort of TikTok and Instagram and social media in general, a few years later, let's say 10 years later, has created a saturated market where everyone thinks they're an interior designer. Yeah. And that is very confusing for people. Yes. And um, it started with HGTV. Yes. Yes. And also, can we talk about the difference between an interior designer and an interior decorator? Absolutely. Like, I think that there's some misconceptions. Oh, just a few. Oh, boy. And I yeah. want, I know this is controversial. But I want you, an artist, a trained artist, most a visual artist, a trained designer, um, to talk about that for one second. Absolutely. Okay. And go. And, and um, <laughs> so it's going to be a little boring and technical, but but essentially, an interior decorator is just somebody who has good taste and mm -hmm. they know how to pick things out. Um, they don't have to have any training whatsoever or math skills. Yeah, they don't have to have it skills honestly um but an interior designer at least in california and even in the united states you are required to have a certain number of hours of schooling mm -hmm. and um there are tests there's a national test and the um the letters for that are the ncidq which stands for national certification of interior design qualification mouthful and then there's also a California one, and I have taken both. And to even apply to take those, you have to have, again, a certain number of um, hours of schooling. 
and then you have to work for somebody for a certain number of hours. So if you do a two-year degree, you have to have additional experience. If you do right. a four-year degree, it's less experience. But the person you work for has to do a letter of reference just to take the exam. Mm. And then once you pass those exams, then you are technically allowed to call yourself an interior designer. Yeah. Okay. So all these influencers, mm -hmm. influencers that's are the decorators. They yes. are not designers. But they call themselves designers. Cause, Whatever. Because de decorator is an '80s term. No, decorator <laughs> means means you don't actually have any training. Right. Exactly. And I'm not saying they don't have good taste. They right. do, but they don't understand the technical aspects that go along with design. When I am redoing a kitchen for somebody, like. For your Joshua Tree space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It had the tiniest kitchen and yet so many bedrooms. And trying to cram people into that tiny little space made no sense. Mm -hmm. So we doubled the size of it, made it so it was functional for multiple people to work in the space at the same time. Yep. Mm -hmm. A decorator slash influencer isn't going to understand that. They're going right. to work with what's there and just make it look pretty. Right. Sort of like a staging person you know there are professional stagers for when you're selling a house and they you know i have a friend who's a stager he he's been on the um flip or flop show multiple times yeah he actually has it from what i remember he has a two-year degree um i can't remember where he got it from but anyway um so he has training that's incredible yeah because um you know and that's a fast-growing booming business of the last decade or so the last decade is you know yeah and as i understand it um you need either to have for being a stager you need to have access to finance because you have to buy all the furniture and then you have to have a storage warehouse mm -hmm. so that's where that is happening and good taste right mm -hmm. and good taste so, oh and let me go back because um yeah. joanna Gaines, who i yeah. think yeah. has an impeccable taste level and i love her looks but one thing that has always driven me nuts when I see her spaces is in the kitchen, the cleanup sink with the dishwasher is always directly across from the stove. Mm -hmm. If somebody is trying to clean up dishes while somebody else is trying to get Thanksgiving dinner ready mm -hmm. and you try and open the dishwasher and the oven at the same time, <laughs> you can't. You can't. And nobody can get through there. You're going to, it just, it's not functional. Right. So she gets credit for knowing you need both, but she loses credit for no for not knowing for how the to functionality. Place but but, not that, being... but what's crazy is that there are actual trained designers that don't even know that. Well, now we we can't say that uh, part. But, <laughs> anyway, so maybe, there's a very long-winded explanation. Maybe, maybe they're designers, but they're not cooks. Yes, this is true. Yeah, oh my God! Yes, I was watching a Real Housewives of New York City, and, and this we one was her. yeah. And this one was a couple years ago, and I forget the name of the woman who's no longer on it. She had a she was a writer and a news producer at one point. Anyways, um, her husband she's a widower, and her Manhattan apartment she never cut. All she did was order in. So in her kitchen, she was storing in the oven, like you know, using it as a cupboard for you know whatever mail and stuff. But anyway, she's, she brought in a designer to remove the kitchen entirely and make it an office because she's never used the kitchen as a kitchen. So, like, she transformed wow. it. And I was like, 
Huh. And that doesn't even make her own coffee at home? No. And I thought about that. It's a lifestyle. I thought about that. It's a choice. (laughs) It's a choice. But I thought about that for a while in terms of where we are today with these air fryer toaster ovens that have become functional ovens. Like, I, we rarely use our oven. We use it maybe once a month. It's for pizza. It's for pizza. Once, I mean, like, we rarely use it. We could put both pizzas in the air fryer if we wanted. And I thought, well, geez, where is this going? You know, like, our kitchen's going to start eliminating the need for an oven and we'll just have stove tops and air fryers and design will be around that space for fun, you know, making right. space for these things versus, um, well, you've seen, you've seen like the, uh, the small space living, the apartments, you know, and, and oh, we have one in Yucca Valley. Well, that's not, no, that's an, that's a nice big space, but I'm talking about like no, apartment buildings. For that, the kitchen is a small space though. We have upstairs a functioning. One. Yeah. It's a little kitchenette. Yeah. I don't mean that, but yes, <laughs> I'm talking about ones where, you know, in old flop houses where you'd have the shared bathroom down the hallway and now you have oh, shared kitchens where the apartment itself doesn't have a kitchen. Because it's not something that anyone's using with any regularity, so it becomes a shared amenity. Except for refrigerators. Like, you don't want people sharing. Well, you like dorm fridge. Uh, you know what? Shh. <laughs> You're so pretty. Stop. Um, I got what I need. No. Moving on. Uh, moving on. Because that was... No. I, w- I want to go back to ask... I want to ask you about... So you so you left that uh, your first job, and yes. you... you you were looking for something different. What did you end up I finding? ended up working you... for Ethan Allen. For oh, my gosh. Big as gets. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I've always wanted an Ethan Allen something. Oh, I still have a couple pieces from there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, and what I loved about working there, there were a lot of things that I didn't because I had never sold before. So, that was... Oh, so this, was like, this like floors? We're floor sales. doing sales. Yes. Okay. Um. But they did a ton of training. So they would bring in carpet people and they would talk to you about the different types of carpet and why this is better than that one. And, you know, for this type of client, this is the better choice. So I learned a lot of technical stuff that I didn't learn in school. And Mm. so I, you know, I still use the information to this day. I mean, obviously, I'm continuing to educate myself on the latest technologies and things like that. But a lot of this stuff is really beneficial to know. Yeah. So now I know you are serious and we're taking this seriously and learning a lot. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine you probably had a couple of coworkers who were maybe not as invested in, in this as a career who were just like Well, there there was one in particular. She was the most amazing salesperson, mm. not a designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But man, she could sell ice cream to an Eskimo. I used to say that about myself. So she's got a million followers now, right? Um, I don't know. But if she got you in person, she could sell you your entire home's furniture. Like, she was just that good at selling. Um, But, yeah, there were some that it wasn't their career. And there was one or two that were designers and just, you know, they were going to be there the rest of their lives if they could be. Yeah. So. So at what point did you start teaching design Oh, that wasn't until I started my own business. Oh. Yeah. So after Ethan Allen, I went to Model Homes at Pacific Dimensions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was there for over 10 years. And when I moved back from the Bay Area with my ex-husband and our son, 
I ended up working for them again. Oh my gosh. Uh, Going yeah, back I, to Ethan Allen. No, to Going Pacific to Dimensions. Mars. So I was okay. actually at Pacific Dimensions for maybe two a year or two. And then we moved up north. And then when I came back, I was there for about 10 years. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. And and then I left and then I was trying to find out where I wanted to work next and decided to crazily open my own <laughs> design company. Called The Silver the Lining. The Silver Lining. And where I got the name is... Um, my younger brother passed from a rare form of cancer, and while he was going through cancer treatments, he would carve jeweler's wax, which he learned how to do when he was oh at gosh. Harvard, and he called his business the Silver Lining. Oh, my God. Yeah, and so that's how I got into jewelry making, was taking up his mantle, um, and I just, I don't know, the silver lining kind of fit. You should always look for the silver lining. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And it's funny because, funny, haha, funny, woo woo. Um, there was a time after my brother had passed where, in a week's time, I got three references to the silver lining. Mm. I was at a coffee shop and there was, you know, they have the, the astrology paper thing. Yeah. And so it said something about the silver lining. I got a chocolate probiotic bar and on it said, always look for the silver lining. And I don't remember what the third one is, but the fact that there was three in a week's time, I was like, okay, Andy, I get it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it just, it seemed to fit. So tell us about picking up um, his jewelry business and starting that. I mean, it seems like a natural transition, well, but hard, a diff difficult, right? Well, I've always been fascinated by crystals and jewelry, mm -hmm. always, since I was little. Um, and when we were in uh, Tulane... The last year of his, or last year, last week of his life, uh, I took all of his jewelry molds and things like that and took them home with me. And going through all of it, I found all these pieces that were cast, but they hadn't been put together. And I found all the orders. So I tried to figure it out and I did an okay job not having any experience in it, but I put all the orders together and shipped them to a contact at Tulane and she distributed them to the people there. And she's like, this is magical that we were able to get these. We didn't anticipate ever getting these because of what was going on with Andy, but we're so grateful and so excited to have these. Wow. Yeah. That's and uh, then I started taking classes and got super into it and um, ended up teaching classes at Glendale Community College, um, their adult outreach program. Yeah. And I've had people see me late, years later and going, oh my gosh, I remember the class and you talking about your brother. and Yeah. So, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I think um, the fact that you're always learning and always going to school and trying something new, too, is interesting. I think a lot of artists do that. It's mm -hmm. like, it's amazing to me how knowledge is something that artists are constantly seeking. Absolutely. And of course that lends itself to also wanting to spread that information, regardless mm -hmm. if it's in our art or teaching a class about it. You know, right. we want to give what we've learned and what we're constantly learning, what we're passionate about. Right. Um, so it only makes sense to me that you would also, in doing business, teach. Right. Oh, and so going back to your question, yeah. I, so I had already started my business. It was a couple years in, and um, I won't name the school because it's okay. You don't have to. Okay, good. 
So it's a uh, prestigious school for design. Right. Grossly overpriced though. Um, <laughs> anyway, she said prestigious. Um, so they asked if I would be I don't remember who reached out first, but anyway, there was a um, an interior design class for third years. So they had mm-hmm. just completed the two-year program and it was their first like studio class for interior design. They gave me no syllabus. No direction. You teach what you want. Yeah. That's a recipe for... Yeah. Anyway, so for design, knowing vendors and knowing how things work Mm -hmm. is as big of a part of design as making it look pretty. So I did a ton of um, field trips to um, cabinet makers, tile places, window and door places, and... These snooty little mm, complain because they wanted PowerPoint presentations every week. Oh, like, come on. You can never make anyone happy. Right. So, but one of the people in that class absolutely loved it and requested that I teach a kitchen-specific class, which I did. And based on the feedback, I did a lot of PowerPoints. I still did a few field trips, but not nearly as many. Yeah. Um, and that one was fun because these were fourth year. They were really invested in becoming really good designers, not just trying to make things look pretty. Yeah. yeah. And so they asked great questions. They were, you know, really into all of the classes. Um, so, yeah, I didn't go back after that. But, but at least I ended on a good note. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's interesting also. What I'll say is my first semester teaching undergrad, and I absolutely love it. But um, I didn't, wasn't aware, I had an assumption of what they knew already as juniors and seniors, yeah. only to find out that some of them don't have the basics. The basics. And I'm like, we Some of them don't even have, like, life basics. Yes, we are starting from But a, we all already know that our educational system in this country well, is sadly it, lacking in common sense. Yes, and this, in pandemic... Uh-huh. These were these are students that like mm. didn't have prom and didn't have graduation and didn't right. have the first two years of school in school. There it was all. So there's yes and there's also a fundamental lacking of experience because they haven't been on their own. But also I'm like, were you sleeping in class? Because I know some of your teachers and I know that they aren't lacking in their syllabus syllabi in teaching you. Like I know you have hands on experience. What's happening? <laughs> and I said, I told them at one point when they were asking me questions that were so rudimentary, for lack of a better word. And I was like, you guys, I have this syllabus approved. I don't understand why this is such a big Stumbling sort of stuff. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. what's, what's happening? And they don't know how to identify it either. To which I have to say, I slept through a lot of undergrad. I was real tired in undergrad. In fact, I had mono at one point. <laughs> um, so it wasn't just in, wasn't just being tired. Oh, and I also grew three inches in undergrad. So I had a late growth spurt. So my undergrad years were spent a little bit like loopy. Uh, yeah. Also, apparently. and I was doing. I was just smoking ton. a lot of weed. <laughs> I didn't smoke any weed and I didn't drink. So I. I'm just saying I was also loopy. But it felt like. <laughs> 
it feels for like for different reasons. Yeah. yeah, it feels like now when I look back, like was I high all the time on some weird brain chemical? Maybe we would have um, been friends. Maybe we would have. We've already said like we wouldn't have been because I was like. You're lazy. Oh. <laughs> like, to the way Jason treated college, I would have been like, you're going to bring me down, man. You're going to bring me down. Oh, I brought so many people down. Um, so we met at the exact right time. But, uh, yeah, it's so strange. Like, you, you, you assume things about students coming into their third or fourth year mm-hmm. of school and semesters. And let me tell y'all, they're not there. <laughs> no, ma'am. And the ones who are aren't speaking up it's like you gotta let me know if this is like you're not understanding too or if this is just basic like i am repeating what you are it's craziness mm-hmm. college undergrad is a weird thing to teach because yeah you make up your own thing and it's your class but at the same time coming in as a new like for me as an adjunct i'm like i don't know the curriculum of the program yet you know so I'm unsure because I'm not faculty either. So right. I don't have, I don't know what I don't you know. You feel like a guest in someone else's house. Yeah. So the best thing that I could do and what I did is just work overtime, like work more than the hours I'm supposed to just to and make myself. Um, I, I rooted myself like a weed in their program. Now they can't get rid of me. Yeah. I like made it my own. Yeah. I was dug like, in. I dug they, in. They beg her not to leave. Because she's, I, she's like a top root weed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like you can dig and you can hoe and you can, I'm not going anywhere. And they know that. And I was like, sorry, you're stuck. Speaking of hoeing. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to find a way back to talk yeah, about go, your go, job. Go, go, go. I don't think you ever actually did hoe, but, um, but you did sell your jewelry. Yeah. And you do oh, yes. sell your jewelry. You do yes. sell your jewelry. And I want to talk about, because we talked about how you started it and, and, and fulfilling your brother's yeah. orders, but you then made this business your own. Yeah, I actually started producing my own pieces. Yeah. Um, and that was fun. Yeah. And I, I, it felt like a way to connect with my brother post, yeah. you know, post-mortem um, in that, as I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, I can totally understand why this was so fascinating to him. And then to learn new techniques and go, oh, I don't think he knew those techniques. And wouldn't it be cool if we could exchange those ideas together? Because we would do that with other things growing up. So it would have just been, like, I always had these, wow, you know, I wish he was here so that we could do it. And I knew he was there. Um, Yes. But he was at a point where he didn't care about it, but it was exciting to think about it. And then the first time I ever soldered a, um, a setting onto one of his pieces, I literally broke down in tears because I was like, this is so exciting that I've learned enough that I can now, you know, tweak these pieces for people to really enjoy it. You know, I can put in a birth stone or whatever it is versus having to take it to a jeweler and have them do right. it. So, right. Yeah. Were you a single parent at this point? Um, that is a good question because I, I went through the divorce probably about four or five years after my brother passed. So I had started taking jewelry classes, but I can't remember what the point was of, I, it was right around the same time that I was Yeah. Because I just, the reason I asked and not to be like too personal is that you ran your own business as an artist while raising two kids as a single parent, and your ex-husband was sick with cancer. 
he was sick with cancer after the divorce, both times. Um, but what was crazy is the NCIDQ exam, I took it when they were both under five. Oh, my gosh. And I was studying for six months for that thing. There are, there are designers that take it multiple times. Right, just like they And I was like, like I don't have the brain capacity to study this hard and this long for multiple times. So right, I right. need to do this right the first time. And somehow I managed to be able to do that. So so that was crazy in and of, of itself. But yes, I started my business um, as a single person with two kids. And then, yes, my ex-husband went through cancer twice in the last six, seven years. Wow. I mean, so. I just find that to be extraordinary. Like, as an artist, when people say, I can't, like... Well, so often we as artists are looking to get employed. We're looking to be hired to do our art. Right. And and for most, for the overwhelming majority of us in whatever field of art, that's not the way it works. If you're going to work as an artist, it's because you're going to put yourself to work as an artist. Yeah. And you made, you know, you had this very difficult circumstance that kind of stacked it against you even more. Right. And so rather than letting that push you back to Ethan Allen or, you know, back into, into that workforce, right. you, you, you made a stance and a stand and you made a business. Now, how did you go about Now, I know that for jewelry, mm-hmm. the internet makes Etsy it. Etsy is great. Etsy. Yeah. yeah. You have an Etsy store for the jewelry. Right. And then for uh, interior design, which is all under one flag, right? It's right. one, one company. Uh, does jewelry, does interior design. Well, you keep them separate, though. Do you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, honestly, I haven't sold a jewelry piece oh. in years. Um, which, that's all right. Um, I also haven't made any new jewelry. Well, that's not true. I, I revamped a friend's jewelry. She has a bunch of vintage and, you know, like missing earrings or whatever, and I revamp them and make new jewelry for her. Amazing. Yeah. So do you melt down the metals and then... No, it's just, oh, this is a really cool whatever it is, um, but it's a broken earring that's missing its pair, so let me turn it into a ring or let me I turn it that. into, you know, a pendant. I love that. And yeah. most people just throw stuff away. Yeah. I've actually thought about doing a class where you just bring all your junk jewelry and we can kind of forage and, cool. and make... Yeah. yeah. Trazies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's great. Oh my gosh, I have an idea. We'll what? talk about it. Okay. Well, I guess saying okay. So I have a friend that does art that way, but it's like art therapy, and so she has people come over, and she's a therapist. Uh-huh. But art is a big part of her life. And then I like to teach writing classes, storytelling classes, mm-hmm. as therapy for women. Yep. And you, and what if we had like a little um, our own sort of fringe workshop. festival yeah. workshop, and we it. just pay what you can and invite the community. Yep. I love it. It's been recorded. <laughs> Sign up now. Keep going. Uh, what Sorry. Well, I was just talking. The question was really about like the business part of the business. So, I am actually taking a uh, business mentoring class this whole year. Oh. And it's with an interior designer who's been in the industry as long as I have, but she's been working her own company this time. Um, so there's about 25 of us roughly in it and um, learning a lot. Wow. Yeah. Uh, because the one sad little business class we took at UCLA Extension was 
here's what a contract is, here's what a purchase order is, here's what an invoice is. Which is valuable, but... Cursory. But, it, yeah, it's like yeah. the very basics. It's yeah. what you learn in kindergarten of design. You know what I mean? Well, let me say this. So, opposite happened. We didn't learn those cursory basics in MFA. Mm -hmm. And we kept asking, like, but what does it look like to send a query letter? How does it look? Like, you know, it's so interesting. You didn't learn that in your MFA? A guest lecture speaker. But if you didn't take that guest lecture, oh my then gosh. you missed that. Um I took that guest lecture. So, like, there were some sort of basics in it that, and I love my MFA program, but they skipped that and went right to what a working writer looks like. Right. Which a lot of MFAs don't do that at all. They just spend all the time on the book. Oh. So, so we did, but the missing piece was that basic cursory. But they do have some guest lectures that would come in, lecturers come in and, and go over that. But you had a choice of lectures you could take. So if you were like, it was a crap fast, shoot. Yeah, you, you missed it, right? Um, I took those lectures, so I felt pretty like. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you always say that, like, speaking about actors, that actors should all have take to a business class yeah. because there is no, you graduate with a BFA a BA in theater, an MFA, there is no one teaching you, and I teach my students this now, there's no one teaching you how to write a resume for this field. There's no one teaching you how to take a headshot for this field. Like right. These are things, or managing your money, or what a manager takes versus an agent. What a you know? What are the guild union rules? You know, how do you shoot in LA versus how do you shoot in New York? Like there's so many tentacles and variables that a cursory class on these things, a business class, should be fundamental in every fine arts degree. I agree. Marketing. Yes. Social oh media God, marketing. marketing. And marketing is part of this program I'm taking this year because I've, I've never marketed before. No, you haven't. I have not. I have not. Oh, my gosh. I know. Because I never knew, like... It, I don't want to dump all this money into XYZ and have it be totally useless or, or right. get to the wrong people. So, yeah. right. And, um, and marketing, can, you know, is, is, a, is a money pit if, it's, if you don't if it's spend not done money. Right. Yeah. And PR, too. Like, if you're not ready to hire a PR person, and you should. You should get to a point in your career. You should be at a point in your career at some point where you do spend the investment on getting proper, full-time, a PR person for a project or for an amount of time to launch and push you further into that, that space. Right. Um, but if you're not ready for it, don't spend five grand right. until you know, and, and sometimes people are like, I don't know if I'm at that point where I need a <laughs> PR person. If you don't know, then you're not, then you're not. Well, let me, let me share an epiphany that I just got in the last week or two. I have always asked for reviews from clients um, and I post them on my website. I'm I like, think I owe you a review. Okay, I'll send you a link. Because oh, now I know you can send a link mm -hmm. for Google mm -hmm. and you can have Google reviews. And if you have, oh, I think it's right. four Perfect. or five reviews, it like doubles the chance of you being seen. Yeah. yeah. I just got my fifth review. Hey. Yes. But I didn't even know about this until a week or two ago. I was like, yeah. how is this not, you know, I didn't even know. Yeah. But I didn't even know. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And where do you then, where were you finding clients 
for your own business through all the places you have worked, like Ethan Allen customers and Pacific Design? No. And... Uh, well, actually, that's not true. I've had two clients that used to be Pacific Dimensions clients. One was, uh, so it was it was model homes when I was there, but near the end, me and one other senior designer were doing residential because people liked our product so much they wanted to be able to transform their home in the same way. So I worked with this one couple while I was at PDI and did their home. Yeah. And then several years later, I don't remember how, I think he found me, because I, I did have a jewelry website for a couple of years. He found me through that and ha asked if I was still doing interior design. I was like, as a matter of fact, I am. Amazing. Ended up doing this really fabulous project with him. He's uh, part of a developer, um, and they took over this uh, high-end condominium complex in Santa Barbara. Absolutely Ooh. beautiful with the terracotta stairs. Okay. Um, beautiful fountains in the public areas, the whole nine yards. I ended up working on multiple models over a year and a half period uh, and it was just such a great experience to yeah. be able to do that and that was through PDI because PDI actually did one model for them and then wouldn't return the call oh they're Ooh. lost dirt yeah. um, that's the tea. Yeah. and so I ended up doing I think a total of let's say eight models with them wow over, over a year and a half yeah holy crap yeah and then you did three of our um rental homes mm -hmm. and I want to talk about that for a second because I think um when you talk about art sometimes it's you know everybody wants to be a visionary and recreate the wheel or um do teardowns and I'm trying to find a segue into something that we've talked about before that we want to do mm -hmm. um is that we see the um beauty in, in something that already exists mm -hmm. and using our imaginations to um, redefine the space, but keeping its integrity. Yeah. Right. Don't we're, gut it. We're not gutting. Instead, you know, one thing that we have a problem with in the world is we're not recycling enough and we're just creating more trash. And that sounds Absolutely. so basic when I say it, but it's a huge monumental mm -hmm. issue. We throw away furniture. We throw things away mm -hmm. instead of recycling and rebuilding from what exists. And some things have, have served their purpose and, it's, and right. it's their time to move on, but so much does not serve its full, get, get its full. Well, here's yeah. the problem. Yeah. There's not just fast fashion. There yeah. is fast furniture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There is way too much. If you look 50 years ago, there was good quality furniture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we're- It would stay in the family and for you, 100 years. Yeah, some of those you would refinish it, you would, reupholster it you would do all that you stuff but it, it was a solid base so it was worth the investment to do that and it would last another generation yeah, yeah. Right. now the stuff falls apart if you sit on it too many times the spring breaks yeah. right you know so yeah. you don't want to reupholster that because it's not worth it because the base is not solid yeah so but i i worked with clients that we reupholstered you know, a grandmother's chair and ottoman and made it feel very fresh and modern, yeah. um, but still have that history. Uh, I have uh, some of my grandmother's mid-century slipper chairs that I have reupholstered multiple times yeah. over the last 20 plus years. Yeah. Um, I absolutely believe in that, but unfortunately, mm -hmm. a lot of clients don't, which 
with you guys, it was great because we found some great pieces on um, next door, next door, and, and marketplace. Um, that aqua, and up, that aqua coffee table. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh. For Joshua Tree was, it was one a, of my favorites. Yeah, and then we had a custom glass top made. Yep. With rentals, you want to do that for yeah. nine stands, coffee tables, because people aren't going to care. They're going to yeah. put their they're not, they're not going to use your coasters. No, they're, they're not. not. We spent we spent such an investment on coasters just for them to not be used. Yes, I can't imagine. Like, well, my favorite thing is that the coaster. We have this big tray of coasters, and it's Jack's favorite game, or we was when he was little, to go to the house and take all the coasters out and make like a walking path out of them. Like, <laughs> all right, they've served a purpose, not their <laughs> purpose, uh, but they were enjoyed. Yes, yeah. they probably were more than they ever were intended to have been. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to pivot if we can because you've got a whole other line of work and we, we started with it. We opened with it. We dined on it, but we haven't delved into okay. it. Okay. You are the board baker. You have yes. two yeah. two cookbooks. You have brought us brownies. Not just brownies. If today. I, today. But if Avril <laughs> invites you over for coffee, Go. she's gonna have Go. scones. Yeah. <laughs> that she made that morning. Oh, like, I just made some yesterday. Because <laughs> I, I had a, uh, some vendors and people coming over. So I was like, oh, let me make a batch. And... I'm just going to go to the donut shop and have a dozen donuts ready for company. You're like, no, I'm going to make you something from my heart. Well, I want to be able to eat it too. And right. I can't go to the donut shop because yes. they don't and have. So is that really the underlying thing? It's just you just, because you want to partake, you have to make everything yourself? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. That's yeah. how it's at least started. But you do have a passion and you have the cutest kitchen. Yes. In the whole world. That I would want to spend my time cooking in as well. It is not what most people would imagine an interior designer's kitchen to be because it's not, you know, high tech. It's not. No, straight out of Miss Mabel. Miss Marvel? Miss Mabel? Miss Ma Mrs. Maisel? Yeah, it's straight out of Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> yeah, it has the original farmhouse sink with integrated side counters that it's... drain into the sink. It has the original built in cabinet with glass uppers. It's amazing. I've had to finagle it to where it functions for how much baking I love to do because mm -hmm. it doesn't have a lot of counter space, but I absolutely love my kitchen. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm going to date myself, in junior high, I took a home ec class. Do and they had ovens and stoves and you learned how to cook and yeah. bake. And I made croque-en-bouche. I made lemon mm. meringue pie. I made baked Alaska. I made I made everything. I love to bake, and my dad would know because I'm a huge reader, which Jamie knows. Um, if I wasn't reading a book or doing homework, I was baking, and so that's where I got the name, the board baker. Is my dad would say, "Oh, it's the board baker coming around again." That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then um, in high school, I would take chocolate chip cookies to my friends, and I was on the volleyball team, so I would take it to them. And what's funny is now L does the same thing. Like, her chocolate chip cookies are part of her birthday gift to all of her friends. That's so oh. sweet. Yeah. So that it's is. come full circle. But anyway, so that's where it started. Always have loved to bake. And then, like I said, when I had to go gluten-free 15 years ago, I had to revamp everything then. But you can get, you know, one-on-one -on -one baking swap gluten-free flours. So that's easy. But once you get away from that, it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> There's almond flour. Tapioca flour, plantain flour, cassava flour, uh, coconut flour, and they all have their own properties and they all have their own uses. And I use all of them, 
but my go-tos are the almond and tapioca flour for, I'd say, at least 70% of my baking. Mm -hmm. so. We, so Trader Joe's has a regular cassava chip now, but they used to have a cassava tortilla, tortilla chip. chip. Yes. Good. Yes. There is a brand called Siete Brand, and they have one as well. And, and sprouts. I think, yeah, and, and Whole Foods. But mm. Sprouts also has their own cassava chips now. Oh. Yeah. Ooh, I gotta go to Sprouts today. Yeah, but I was so mad when Trader Joe's got rid of them. Me yeah. too, yeah. because the cassava root chip is just breaks your teeth, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't. It's too. But you uh, also you want a quote unquote tortilla chip. You want tortilla chip. Yeah, when you want guac and salsa. That's I'm. Mm -hmm. Yes, you, you feel me. We so, feel you. Yeah. So when they got rid of it, it was very sad. But luckily, there are brands out there now. Because 10 years ago, none of these brands existed. Oh, my gosh. Well, and we have a one of our son's friends who comes over regularly is dairy-free. So I'm old. I mean, we're not completely dairy-free in this house, but we're pretty dairy-free. But you wouldn't imagine how many things, unless you're giving them just fresh fruit, have dairy in them. I can't mm -hmm. give them anything. So we buy, like... You know, have to very specifically look at ingredients. And his sweet mom is our friend, and she's like, "No, I'll just send him with snacks." And we're like, "No, you won't. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna make this right." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, being a kid with a dairy allergy. Yeah. Okay, so you 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 had a passion for baking. Mm -hmm. You you then had to you were forced to start baking in you know to your particular mm -hmm. needs, um, and now here we are. You know, you said. Uh, 10 years ago, you couldn't get anything, but now everybody we're inundated, we're inundated with dairy-free gluten with with options. And like, right. this is kind of the moment I feel like yeah. for, for someone like you, yeah, where, where your niche create, is actually yeah. a pretty, pretty broad, uh, not broad, but your niche is, is, um, contemporary, common and needed in a space where there lacks 